this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers reflect on practicing responsibility while being free with healthy boundaries. The focus scripture is from Mark 6.14. This conversation was recorded in January of 2024. Our mission is to make all this possible for individuals, communities, and the world. To learn more about faith walking, visit www.faithwalking.com. Join the conversation. So in verse 14, Jesus had become so well known that King Herod heard about him. He received reports about all that Jesus was doing. And he heard reports about who people were interpreting that Jesus was. So some were saying he's John the prophet that's been raised from the dead. And these mighty works were the fruits of his resurrection. And Herod was was stunned and shaken by the, by the very thought of that. Others said, no, this, this Jesus is Elijah, who's returned to work on earth and prepare for the Messiah. And still others said, uh, no, he's, he's one of the other prophets that's come to bring us a message from God. And Herod said, no, it's John. It's the prophet I beheaded, risen from the dead. Then it tells the story of Herod's imprisonment of Jesus, um, which, which is a fascinating story. Herod's family was messed up. It was extremely dysfunctional. So he's one of the children from one of the wives of Herod the Great, who had multiple wives, birthed multiple children, most of whom he he had killed because they were a threat to him. And this is Herod Antipas, this Herod, who is one of the sons. He married, Herod Antipas married his sister-in-law, who was also related to him in other ways. And the dancer was Salome, who, who was his half-niece. So when you just do the family lineage of Herod, they were messed up. Uh, they they were they had all sorts of things going on. We'll come to that later. I, I want you to I want you to uh, focus with me. So the impact of the ministry of Jesus was spread throughout the land. People were talking about it. And it's, it's fascinating when people's lives are changed and people's lives are touched, they talk about it. And so word got back to Herod, and, and here, here's an important faith-walking piece that I want to give you, okay? And it's this. If you remember in the material we talk about in, in managing anxiety, we are meaning-making machines. We make up stories in our head. We believe those stories. We act as if those stories are true, whether they're true or not. And notice that we find that in this story. Well, who's Jesus? And everybody had a different story. 
there were three primary stories that are mentioned in this text. So the, the first story is the story of what Herod thought. And notice Herod heard the story of, of Jesus, and here's what I can imagine. His anxiety went through the roof. Why? Well, oh my gosh, this sounds just like John the baptizer, and I had him beheaded. Surely this can't be John the baptizer who's come back alive, and yet here, here's the meaning that he made. He made the meaning that that's the only possible answer that could fit, that this is John, the guy I had beheaded, and he's risen again. Um, his guilt caused him his anxiety, I think. Because he had John the Baptist killed unjustly and unfairly. You talk about justice, Brenda. He had a guy beheaded just because he liked the way uh, his wife's daughter danced. And so notice he didn't manage his anxiety well then, and he's not managing his anxiety well now, and, he, and he's allowing the story in his head to dictate his behavior. So I see him as highly anxious. I see him as highly guilty, and, and he made up a story. The second story is also interesting because some said, well, this is Elijah. Jesus is Elijah. Well, there, there's in, really important theological components to that because for the Jews, in, in their tradition and in their understanding, they were looking for a Messiah to come. You know that. But they were looking for a, an earthly, powerful Messiah to come, uh, overthrow the Roman government, and make the Jewish government, the Israelites, the most powerful nation in the world. They were, they were expecting and looking for uh, power and violence and control. And by the way, group, uh, Jews still look for the Messiah to come, they're, and they're still waiting on Elijah. So every Passover, when they have their Passover meal, uh, Orthodox Jews will, will have a place at the table and a chair for Elijah, because we're still expecting that Messiah to come. And so some, so I, I want to connect it to current political things. So there were some in Jesus' day that were longing for nationalism. And so when they heard about Jesus, they said, oh, well, this is it. This is the prophet we've been waiting for. And for them, the prophet was a prophet of power and violence and control. And that is not who Jesus was. But that's the story they made up in their head. Why did they make that story up in their head? because that's what they wanted. You see, it was their anxiety that created that story also. Oh, what we long for is for the Jews to be in charge. Let's just, let's make, make Jews make all the laws. And that's the flaw, I believe, of nationalism. That that wasn't God's design. That's not who Jesus is. And Jesus wasn't coming to instill that kind of a kingdom. And I believe, group, 
that Jesus is not trying to instill that kind of kingdom even now. That's not the kind of kingdom I believe Jesus was about. But that, that's the story they made up. And then the third group made up the story, well, this has got to be a prophet sent from God, one of the other prophets. And what they were longing for is the voice of God that had been silenced for about 300 years. So it's been 300 years since there was a prophet that came and spoke, thus saith the Lord, this is the voice of God. And in some ways, Jesus, of course, we would believe is a, is a prophet, was a prophet. But I think we would also say Jesus was more than a prophet. And, but, but that was their story. And unfortunately, they got stuck in their story and they couldn't see Jesus as more than a prophet. So I, I think the point for us here is to always be on guard and ask the kinds of questions that say, what stories am I making up? And, and in addition to that, what, what meaning am I making that is trying to take care of my, what I'm anxious about? So Herod was anxious about his guilt. Others were anxious about, you know, getting out of domination by Roman control. Others were anxious about, we need to hear from God. And they were all anxious. And out of their anxiety, they made up stories. And as a result of that, they missed who Jesus really was. I believe. Um, here, here's a point I want to make in this story. So uh, I'm going to trust that y'all know the story of G uh, Herod threw a big birthday banquet on his birthday, and uh, all of his friends and all the political leaders were there, and Salome danced. And uh, he was so infatuated with her that he said to her, I'll give you anything you want up to a portion of my kingdom. And she didn't know what to ask. So she went and asked her mother what to ask for. And her mother, out of her own anxiety and her own guilt, said, what I want is John's head on a platter. And Herod, because he was anxious, and didn't want to be embarrassed in front of his friends and go back on his word, though he really didn't want to behead John the Baptist, he had John beheaded because of his anxiety. So what you have, and, and this is the comment that I want to make, emotionally immature leaders make big messes. And 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 here, so Herod was the leader. He was he was he was over that region of the world at that time, uh, and and so sometimes emotionally immature leaders get appointed to positions. So I think for me the question is: so then, how am I to behave when emotionally immature leaders are in charge? And for me, I think the answer is I keep aligning my life with Jesus no matter who's in charge. Now, what I long for, what I hope for, would be emotionally mature leaders to lead us. 
So I want to connect it to last week. We talked last week. We continued in our conversation about love, and we talked about this triangle of healthy boundaries. And one one arm of the, the triangle is freedom. So I want a leader that allows us to be free. Second arm or leg of the of the triangle is responsibility. So I'm free, but I'm also responsible. I'm not responsible for other people, but I am responsible to other people to love them well. And I take responsibility for my own life. And then the third leg of the, the triangle or arm of the triangle is love. So healthy boundaries say I'm free, but I'm also responsible. And as I'm free and as I'm responsible, I'm responsible to others to love them well. And as we enter into an election year this year, I would love for us to find candidates who are emotionally mature. But, but because we may not find candidates that are emotionally mature, I'm still going to follow and align my life with the way of Jesus and not let my anxiety drive the agenda of my life. So Jesus recognized Jesus lived and ministered in a period of history where there was an emotionally immature leader in charge. And that didn't change Jesus' agenda at all. He didn't try to overthrow the government. He, he didn't give in to the government. He just he was differentiated. He was who he is. And so I think there's a lesson in this story about how to live under an emotionally immature leader or leaders, uh, if you would. And I, we all get to decide, uh, okay, what does that look like? But what, what I most want in the, in the world, and if, 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 if the kingdom came more fully today than it was yesterday, there would be emotionally mature candidates that we could vote for who offer freedom, who offer responsibility, and who offer love. So no matter what the leaders do, that's how I want to be. I want to be a person that's free, that's responsible, and that's loving. And I think the only way I can do that is to be less reactive, more self-regulated, so that I can manage my anxiety well, and then I can show up in the world in the way that I want to show up in the world. So two lessons from this. What stories am I making up in my mind and getting anxious about? And can I let my stories go? Second, can I live as an emotionally maturing person, even if I have emotionally immature leaders? And can I continue to align my life with the way of Jesus no matter what? Because I think that's what Jesus did. Um, he lived in that culture. He lived in that society. And yet he showed up aligned with the principles that he chose for himself that I believe were sent from God. So that's 
what I'm taking away from this little study today. So what's this stir up for you? What thoughts does it generate? What questions emerge? What commentary do you have? I can see where it would be very difficult to follow uh, to follow through with doing as we're supposed to when you're you're having or forced to follow a leader that is not emotionally mature. Mm -hmm. That is yeah. very challenging. Right. I've been in those positions and it's, it's like, you want, you want to, you want to react correctly. You want to, I've caught myself in the past walking away from situations that were just, mm -hmm. or it was just going to really get bad. So I, I don't know. I still, to this day, e even trying to even think about it is that causes anxiety. <laughs> it's like, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you continue being and, and staying in your place where you need to be? I call it staying in your lane, uh, stay focused in that lane mm -hmm. without being distracted by the immature responses yeah. towards. Yeah, that that's very challenging still. It is. It is. It is. I'm finding this to be um, something I'm really leaning into right now with all the stuff that's going on with Pete. And um, I was explaining to someone earlier um, I'm trying to stay really focused on what Christ has called me to do in mm -hmm. staying aligned with him. And I have certain responsibilities, um, for teaching and speaking. And when all the emotions get stirred up of, you know, okay, the cancer is spreading, we've got biopsies, all that sort of thing. It's not that I don't feel the emotions because I do, Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like a gut punch. Sometimes I get a little bit, um, paralyzed. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. there's still all those feelings and emotions and I'm not stopping them. I'm feeling them. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and, but I still have to keep my focus on Christ. And for me, that includes, um, having periods of silence, um, keeping my attention to, well, to what he's called me to do mm -hmm. and knowing what he's called me to do has brought so much clarity. And when I get, when I enter all these emotional messes. Yeah. yeah. Good. So I'm not, I haven't arrived, <laughs> but I'm, but I'm making steps in it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think Trish, that's, that's a big point. Nobody's arrived. No, no. Nobody's arrived. It, it's it's all a journey. What yeah. I also heard is, you know, you say I'm I'm doing what I feel called to do, and and that's a guiding principle. Yeah. So You're I'm right. staying I'm staying aligned with my guiding principles. You're right. I hadn't thought about it like that, but that's true. Yeah. Yeah. One of my guiding principles is I'm gonna I'm gonna spend time with God. I'm gonna listen to God. I'm going to hear from God and I'm going to do what God invites me to do. Yes. And yeah, I'm tempted to make up stories in my head and I'm tempted to get overwhelmed with my anxiety. And some days I don't, <laughs> I don't do very well. The anxiety yeah. wins. For sure. For sure. But ultimately I keep coming back to my guiding principles. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that sounds like that. What you, I'm learning about faith walking, the differentiation, right? Like 
Yeah. We're all different. We have our different histories. You're we really going to learn it in your next module, Jane. I am. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> but that's what, yeah, that's not something you guys are all spread into triple thing. It's, it's about trying to differentiate and figure out how to sit comfortably in that difference. Right. Not just follow, not follow blindly or, you know. Right. Yeah. I have one more quick story and then I'll be quiet. But yeah. I recently had Pete's oldest sister recently visited us and Pete comes from a large family of 11 kids and this older sister is the one was the firstborn. And so she has always pushed my buttons because she's extremely bossy and she doesn't ask. She doesn't ask questions. She just tells everybody what they're going to do. And so I can make up a lot of stories and I have in my head <laughs> about her and what she's thinking and yeah. all this and, and become easily offended. Um, so when she visited last though, we got into a conversation where she really opened up and explained what it meant to be the oldest daughter of so many siblings. And that by five years old, she was already changing diapers with the pins and the cloth diapers and all that. Right. And the levels of responsibility that she took and in that, there was a family tragedy of losing a baby mm. to um, drowning in a bathtub. And it was just, it was heartbreaking. And um, I knew about it, but I didn't know some of the details. And she was one of the people. Um, so I just, God gave me such a compassion for her that I had not had before, Um because it was tough. It was tough on her to be so little. Um, when the baby died, she was like 10 years old. And she just talked about the sequence of events that had happened. And it wasn't, it was her responsibility, but she, her dad was letting her sleep in. And um, it just, it her they, they leaned heavily upon her to help raise all the kids. And I thought, you know, she had no childhood. She had no childhood because she had to take care of everybody from such an early age. And after all these years, Pete and I have been married for 40, almost 40 years. And um, we don't live in the same town. Otherwise, maybe we would have worked some of this stuff out. But I just, there's a lot of things about his family that I have not understood. Um, and that just, it just helped me. It helped me a lot to have compassion. And it's like my whole viewpoint has, has shifted. And Trish, that's something that I think about too, when there are people that are, I, that I'm finding irritating or difficult to, to love. Mm -hmm. I don't know their stories. I don't know where they've come from um, right. and what they're dealing with in their lives. And I try to, I try to remember that in the way I, I interact. Um, yeah. I, it's not perfect, but I try. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I've known, uh, obviously, Pete's family for so, so long, and so much of what they do just, frankly, irritates me, <laughs> and I hope nothing, nobody listens to this call from his family, <laughs> but it's it's because we we grew up in such different cultures, and it makes me even more aware that different cultures, really, if we can approach it with a curiosity and you know, what was it like for them? Um, it makes all the difference. It enables us to have compassion. It enables me to have compassion. 
Yeah, thank you, Trish. Uh, and thank you, Judith. Um, yeah, it just it reminds me that part of our part of our journey of differentiation is to consider the journey of others. Um, you know, what anxiety do they have? And where did it start? And and guess what? They had a first formation just like I did, and they're more than likely reacting out of their first formation. Yeah, really helpful. Jerry? Due to the the situation in my own church, I think about the the emotionally immature, the level to which emotionally immature people rise. It's astounding. It is mm-hmm. astounding to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm reading this book <laughs> because it's what I do. It's called Bully Pulpit. Have any mm. of you read this book? Mm. It Michelle, is just Michelle has, Sean has. Who wrote it? Um Michael Kruger. Okay. Yeah, and it's you uh I just I sometimes I just sit and I am um dumbfounded because of how quickly we, as followers of Christ, relinquish or acquiesce without our own, you know, curiosity and questions. Yeah. And um, because of the power of personality that we allow that power of personality to overcome the wisdom and the followings of Christ. Mm-hmm. So we see that in the, our church. We see that in, in our political system. Mm-hmm. We see that um, in corporate America mm-hmm. because we, <laughs> we acquiesce. We, it just, it's mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. And I've done it, you know, I've done it. And it's like, what in the world? Yeah. 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 What, what I hear in that, uh, Jerry is how, how addictive reacting to anxiety becomes. So we, our brain shuts down and we quit thinking when we get anxious. And we just react in the way we always react. And and unless we're aware of that, and unless we have some skills or some tools that teach us how to be different than that, then that's going to be the norm. And you're right. It's the norm everywhere. And even then, when somebody's thoughtful, who manages his or her anxiety, tries to say, no, let's stop, let's pause, let's, you know, then, then, then that even that idea gets attacked because it just creates more anxiety for people. I wish that were perfect. Um, a question. What happens or what do you do when someone or some people tell you the story that you're believing? So I've made up a story about a situation and then last weekend someone tells me this is what I see happening 
um and they it's like they've made up the same story is that them confirming that my story has a bit of weight to it and it's not just yeah me that feels that it feels weird to have someone yeah make up the same story as i'm making up yeah um it it's hard to answer without knowing all the circumstances you've just given me this big huge hypothetical michelle yeah and i can't uh, do circumstances here so 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 i want to acknowledge that uh that sometimes the story we make up in our head is right so just because we made up the story doesn't mean it isn't accurate it might be accurate so how do we know whether it's accurate or not? We gather facts. So another person comes and says they've made up the same story in their head. This seems to be true. Uh, okay. Well, the truth is it might be true. So is there a way to verify its validity to be true? And if so, what is that? How, how do we how do we gather information to know what is actually true? Because I don't I don't want to react out of anxiety based on a story that isn't true, even if if fourteen other people believe the same story I do. Um, and I find I find that. I mean, in this information age that we live, and I'm, now I'm, I'm going from your story to, to a bigger deal. I'm, I'm going to, you know, to the, to the whole world. Uh, and, I, and I would say anxiety sells. And so, our, you know, so many people are selling anxiety, stirring up stories and making everybody anxious. And so the only way is, can we find our way to what the facts are? Can we find the truth? Um, that's the best I got for you. So tell me, push back against that. It, are there facts to be gathered? I don't. I don't know if they're facts or everybody's feelings. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think I want to reiterate and say again, Michelle, the story you're making up may be right. But I can't act like it's right yeah. until I do have some facts. Mm -hmm. And isn't uh, it kind of, I mean, just a question because this makes it making me think a lot. Like, if we think about the you know, feeling like everybody in the group is because it's contagious, right? Your anxiety is contagious. Yeah. Even if it's not true, if everybody feels like it's true, how do we change our behavior in that place to help help it not be true in the future? If that's the goal, like if you're yeah angry and upset and, you know. I, I, I think by managing your, your own anxiety, Gene, so I, I think I manage my own anxiety and one of the ways that I do that is is to acknowledge, okay, we're we're all making up a story and we're all anxious about the story. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, to make certain I start gathering the facts. Okay? So everybody else comes and they're all anxious. And and I'm but I'm I'm gonna be calm because I, I'm going to i I'm not I'm not gonna believe the story until I know the story to be absolutely true. And well, how do I know that? Well, that doesn't mean I go find somebody else who's made up the story and who believes it and 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 we agree. Well, then that makes it true because you know because Gene believes the same story I do. No, how do I find the real facts? I think it's the pursuit of the facts that engages our thinking part of our brain. And our and our thinking brain is what helps us calm our anxiety. Now, the truth is, the story may be true, and there might be a real threat. Okay, so, so hear me, group. Anxiety is a warning system that there's a threat. Unfortunately, where our brains are so programmed, we don't stop and ask, is the threat real or is the threat imagined? So if it's a real threat, okay, then, then let's face it and let's deal with it. Again, we're, we face it with the hard facts. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, yes, it's scary. Yes, I don't know what to do. Okay, then like Trish said, I, I've got to come back to my own guiding principles that guide me through this. This is how I'm going to keep showing up. But until we know what the facts are, I'm not going to let the story dictate my behavior. I'm going to, my behavior is going to be dictated by my guiding principles, not by my anxiety. I don't know if I'm clear or not, or if I'm helpful or not, but Michelle, let me come back to you. That help at all? Yeah. Really. I was just, uh, I don't know. I think I'm like, I'm not quite sure anymore because what people say, is opposite to what I thought I think the facts are. And so obviously someone's wrong and mm -hmm. I'm made to feel like that's me. So I don't even know how I can work it out at the minute, but that's fine. I'll just keep, you know, at some point I'll, something will happen and I'll see some facts from somewhere, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I encourage you to, to keep looking for the facts, and I encourage you to keep keep aligning with your own guiding principles. Yeah. And that's the way to navigate. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I know we got to close. I just want to say something on that, because I just discussed this with one of my children this morning. When, you know, we get gut feelings sometimes about things. I, I don't know about anybody else. I know I do. I get gut feelings. And the one thing I know that I've had to practice lately is, am I feeling this because of this, 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 or this, or is right. there a real, is there a real threat? Right. And that is where that research or digging has to come in. I know that I'm, I practice that on a regular basis. I do, but it's, but then it's like, when you find out something, <laughs> like you said, what if there is a real threat? What if there really is this? Yeah, sure. And it's like handling that in a diplomatic way that doesn't, Mm -hmm. get you off track is right. 
challenging too. <laughs> it is. And and what what that stirs for me, Brenda, is one one more word I'd like to add. And and sometimes I have to go have a hard conversation with somebody to get that information. Oh yeah. You know you know Brenda, when you did this, I I instantly made up a story in my head that this was your motive. And I don't want I don't want to do that if that wasn't your motive. So I'm coming to you now asking what why why did you say what you did? And what what was your motive? Because it, it would just help me know know better how to be. I like that. I like well, that. and and I know that that's hard. It takes courage to to go ask somebody. Is the story here's the story I made up? Is that really accurate or not? And let them help you find the facts. Now, sometimes people are embarrassed and they'll lie to you, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. This is really good conversation, group. I hate to end it, but we are out of time. For more information about faith walking, visit www faithwalking.com. We want to remind you that Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider donating today at faithwalking.com. Visit our site for more workshops and courses available online. Thank you for listening.